Every day is good in God. Every week is good. There's never a bad day in God. If you're having a bad day, well, it's because the circumstances got to you. Anybody ever had a bad day? If you say no, you're a liar. The circumstances got to you that day, whatever day it was. Just life, stuff in it. We're learning this series we've been doing on Wednesday night entitled Day to Day, how to live day to day in the things of God, how to operate day to day, how to live a victorious life in the midst of everything else that we face and things that are going on and all the uncertainties of life. I'll say it again, all of the uncertainties of life, um, God is true. God's word is true. His church is true. Uh, the Old Testament, God said that his eyes and his house, his eyes and his heart were on his house. New Testament, his house is the church, and the church in the New Testament is you and I, his body. Amen? And God is with us at all times. He's, he'll never leave you nor forsake you to the ends of the earth. So his promises are ever ready and available to manifest in any situation that we face. We just have to believe it. You can know that God is good and you can think that God will do something, but, but if, you, if you're not actively developing a relationship with God and knowing Him through the Word of God and, and really know Him, you're not going to look to His Word in, di- in difficult situations. A lot of people just wait for God to do something and, and when God doesn't do something, then a lot of times people blame God for things that happen. They, because they don't understand the ways of God, they, they find themselves deceived into thinking that God allowed something to happen. And God allows a lot of things to happen, but that's not what He wanted to happen. But He'll allow it if you and I don't know any better and we don't want to put out any effort to learn how to really walk it out. That might sound a little hard, but it's just the truth. It's just the absolute truth. There's no other way to look. You can't look at it any other way. When, when something's not working in our life, it's because there's not enough understanding from God and of God to know how to operate in what God wants for us. Does God want bad for you? Does God want evil for you? No. Nothing evil. There's no evil or bad in him. All he wants is good. We can rattle off scripture after scripture after scripture that says that, and the scriptures are him saying it. It's his word. If I walk up and see Doyle and we shake hands and we don't say anything, we shook hands, we met, but we don't know anything about each other unless we communicate, right? So we know each other by our words. That's the way with God. God, I mean, this is an iPhone, but you know what I'm saying. This is where my Bible is. God's Word is here. So what He says is what we have to take in, and we have to exchange His way of doing something versus the way of the past or our old way of thinking. And that old way of thinking needs to change all the time, or you're going to get caught and stuck in a rut and and get angry and mad and blame God, and all kinds of things can happen as a result of it. That's, listen to me, that's the purpose of the church. 
The purpose of the church is what is what 1 Timothy 3.15 says. It's the pillar and the ground of truth. It, it's the stability of truth, the church is. See, otherwise then God's going to preach to us from a position in heaven or in the clouds or in the sky. He's going to preach to us, and that doesn't work that way. He's going to preach to us because where is He? He's in us on the earth. He lives in us on the earth. I mean, He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. But His way of doing things on the earth are for the, the Him who is in us to operate in us and through us because we believe Him and His Word. And that's where the day-to-day operations become more and more successful in life. And I'll just tell you this. The deeper you, you, you walk with God, the, the more you tap into the things of God, you need the protection of what His Word brings to you like you've never, need, like you've never needed it before. You need the protection. Because, listen, if you're looking for a, a world in God to live in where you don't have any bad days, where there's no difficulties, there's no issues that rise. I mean, the more you walk with God, the more issues that you're going to face. But the more you walk with God and you live in His Word, then you have the answers for the issues you face. See, that's the difference. You're going to face the issues, so why not face the issues with the answer? That's what His Word is. Not what I think. I mean... The United States of America, I don't live in another country, but I'm telling you, the United States of America is known for we're a people that we, bless God, have our opinion. (laughs) And I'll just tell you right now, your opinion is about, anyway, I won't go there. I'll quit meddling and preach a word. My wife should agree with me about that. <clears throat> so, we're learning to live day to day. You know, you know who started day to day. You know who started day to day. Jesus. And you know when he started day to day, in the wilderness. He started living day to day by faith in God. After he had the experience of his baptism in the Jordan, after the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, and then the Spirit of God led him 40 days in the wilderness, and that's where he learned to live day to day by the Word of God. That's where he put it into action. Let's look at that, actually. First seven verses of Luke chapter 4. Then Jesus, being filled, verse 1, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit of God into wilderness situation, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when he had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you're the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. 
So it's, it's one of those days in the 40 days toward the end, and, and here Jesus says, he, so he tempts him with the bread, but Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. One translation says, every word from the mouth of God. That's where man is to live. Then the devil, taking him on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms in the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and, and their glory, for this has been delivered to me. Who delivered this authority to the devil? Adam, right? Adam gave him this. For 4,000 years, up leading up to this moment, this time, for 4,000 years, the authority that God had given to man, to Adam, Adam gave to the devil, right? And the devil had that authority. God didn't give him the authority. God never took that authority back. So what was happening is Jesus had come to the earth in God's plan to take back the authority that he had given to man. And that's what we got. We got the authority back that man had given up in the garden. Then the devil taking him on a or, or he said that, uh, all this, this was given to me, and he said, um, and notice what he said, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan, for it is written. Notice, the word of God, every word of God, it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. And then he did another one, and on and on and on. I'm just showing you, day to day started with Jesus right here. The temptations, don't think for a moment that he, as he was led in the wilderness, that he wasn't tempted. He was tempted every single day, but his 30 years of preparation had positioned him to overcome every obstacle that he would face so that we would be empowered to be able to overcome every obstacle that we face. Well, yeah, but pastor, we can't do that. you got to get rid of that thinking. So you got to get rid of that. Yeah, but pastor, haven't you, haven't you failed? Oh, absolutely. But, but my expectation is I don't have to. See, I don't have to give in. I don't have to be overcome by the day-to-day. I can overcome the day-to-day because of the anointing and the strength of Jesus Christ that's already on the inside of me. There was a day I got born again. Spirit of God came on the inside of me. And from that born-again experience, I've learned how, for 40-plus years, I've learned how to develop an ongoing relationship with God through His Word and, and have these words ringing in my ears all the time, you're not live by bread alone. You're not live from circumstance to circumstance. You're, gonna, you're not going to live from one experience to the other. Listen, living our lives based on experience gets us in trouble. Because there are some faithless experiences that you and I have tapped into in life that will only get us in trouble if we base our life on experience instead of on God's Word. Man should not live by bread or circumstances, or experiences, but on His Word. Amen? So, let's go back to what we looked at last week, where we ended last week in Romans 4. And 
I want to make a couple of comments about this. I just, I, I didn't think I was going to go back here, but I, I couldn't get off this because I, I didn't, I don't feel like I, I drove this point home strong enough. Um, Okay, so I'm going to do this. Okay. I want to make this statement. Everybody remembers this, this story. This is about Abraham. And this is Abraham. This is an account of Abraham's life at about 24, I mean, at about uh, 24, at about, yeah, 24 years after God had told him to leave his home and go to another place that he was going to tell him where he was going and that he would be the father of nations. God had told him that 24 years earlier. And now, after a number of different mistakes and things that had to be worked out of Abraham's life, now we see this, and we see, this is what is recorded in the New Testament. You read the Old Testament, and you read all of Abraham's dirty laundry. You read the Old Testament, and you see Abraham, our father, the father of faith, that we're to, to um, uh, follow after and follow his example of how he trusted God because he came to a place after not believing in God and not believing and trying to help God out. He came to a place where he really believed that what God said he could do and that he would do. He believed that. Now, I want to make this statement that, well, let me read this verse and I'm going to back up to verse 17. Um, Verse 18, who contrary to hope, in hope, believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken so shall your descendants be. Say, I'm a descendant. Okay, so shall your descendants be. So shall we be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able God was able to perform what he had promised. And here's the statement I I, want to make. I I want you to think about this. When there was no hope, 100 years old, 90 years old, supposed to have a baby. Absolutely no hope. No hope whatsoever. So when there was no hope, he made a decision to believe God's Word. Now, when he was 75 and she was 65, I mean, it could have been, you know, there could have been a a glimmer of hope. Maybe something could have happened at 75 and 65. But at 190, 100 years old and 90 years old, two people going to conceive a child? So when there was no hope, When there was absolutely no hope whatsoever, he made a decision to believe the Word of God. 
when there was no hope. After 24 years of developing a relationship with God, understanding who God was, after 24 years, he finally came to a place when there was really absolutely no hope. I mean, you would have thought God would have done it earlier in, in, their, in their life. But when there was no hope, he made a decision to believe the Word of God. He made a decision. I'm going to tell you again. He made a decision. And that decision of belief was based on what I just read right here. That the impossibility in the natural was no competition for God in that if God promised it, He was able to do it. So what I'm telling you is, and what I shared with you several weeks ago, what it took over that 24-year period of time was for faith and operation to finally be separated from doubt and unbelief. And when that happens in your and my life, because we train ourselves, we develop revelation, because we train ourselves with the Word of God, when that happens, doubt begins to be separated with faith, and we do what Jesus said. When Jesus told Peter, how is it that you, ha- that you're, you, you had little faith and you doubted? So Peter, when he was walking on the water, he had little faith, but he began to sink because he doubted. Now he walked on water with little faith, but doubt began to creep in. Why? Because he began to be moved by the circumstances. And your circumstances may not be the waves of the, of the Sea of Galilee. Your circumstances could be anything else. But those circumstances, if they're making and causing you to doubt, that's what has to be removed. And it's not going to be removed by me trying hard enough. It's going to be removed by me renewing my mind with what God says about my situation. So, tonight... I'm going to ask you, I think a couple of weeks ago I said, I'm going to give you four things, and somebody afterwards said, well, what's the fourth thing? (laughs) So tonight I'm going to give you three things. Everybody hold me accountable to three. Everybody say three. Three, 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 three. three. So I'm going to present three questions to you tonight. And and, and this is the question. What has God said regarding sickness and healing? What has God said regarding sickness and healing? We know, so, so I'm going to just give you scripture and verse to answer that. We know that the prophetic word from Isaiah 53 
that talks about the coming Messiah and what would happen to him and how he would be literally not even recognized through what would happen to him on the cross, what would happen to him in his physical body, because in that passage it says, he himself bore our sicknesses, he carried our pain, and by his stripes we were healed. Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and in every way, what he accomplished at Calvary healed and delivered us. Didn't just save us. If you're saved, you're healed. Whether you know it or not, if you're saved, you're healed. Another thing that God said, what did God say about this? God said he sent his word and did what? Healed us. Okay, so what does that mean? That means we were sick. That means humanity was sick, and today, humanity is still sick. Now, see, when you talk about things like this, then people start comparing and talking, and yeah, but what about this, and what about this person, and what about this situation, and that situation, and what about... It's not, it's not judging and comparing and looking down on somebody that's struggling in something physically in their body. We're talking about the absolute truth of God. What did God say about sickness and healing. By his stripes, we're healed. He sent his word and he healed me. Look at this verse. I love this verse. Because to accomplish that in your personal life, there's something that you have to do. And It says it really clear in this one verse in Proverbs, the 12th chapter and the 18th verse. Proverbs 12 and 18. And actually, I'm going to read that in the Amplified. There are those who speak rashly. One word for that, one definition for the word rashly is there are those who speak out of control. In other words, they don't watch what they say. like the piercing of a sword. But the tongue of the wise, now that's what God said. See, this is God's word. This isn't my opinion, this is God's word. He said, those who speak rashly, those who are out of control in what they say, are like a piercing sword, but the tongue of the wise In other words, we watch what we say, and we spend more time meditating on what God has said about specific issues than what everybody else says about it. Because remember, we live in a country of opinionated people, and everybody's opinion supposedly matters. But yet, in the light of this, my opinion means absolutely nothing if my opinion doesn't match up with this. That's what we have to get. We have to get this. And you'll never train yourself if you don't learn to declare and speak over yourself what God says. Now go back to Romans and that 17th verse. And this is the way we do this. Now hang with me. We got, we got 17 minutes left. Tammy, can I have five more? No, I'm teasing. <clears throat> 
Where was I telling you to go? Romans, yeah. 4 and 17. Okay, so watch this. Okay. This is what God says, but how do I rein this in on a day-to-day basis? How do I rein it? As it is written, I've made you the father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, he believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. How did God do that? God said, there was no light, and God said, light be, and light was. We were created in the image of God. Now God wants you to frame your world with what he has already said is so. I'm not making up new words and new light and new stuff. What he wants me to do is frame my world. He framed the worlds with his words. And you've got to see God that way. If you don't see God that way, then you'll never get what we're talking about tonight. Now, if something attacks my body and there's symptoms in my body, okay, and I say from God's Word because He told me I could say, let's say that... um, Let's say the flu has attacked my body. I have the symptoms of flu, okay? He said, call those things which be not as though they were. So, if the flu has attached itself to my body, I have the symptoms, I feel that way. What I have the right to do with my mouth is say, flu I let you know you have no right to remain in my body because by the stripes of Jesus I was healed. Now, this is what I'm not doing. I'm not calling something that is as though it isn't. No, I'm not sick. No, I'm not sick. There's no sickness. Man, you're just sweating. You're pouring sweat. No, I'm not sick. 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 That, that won't cause anything to happen. Because what you're, what you're doing is you're lying. Symptoms are in your body. I'm not called to call something that is as though it isn't. I'm called to demand with my mouth what isn't. I'm not well, I'm not feeling well, I got fever, I got symptoms in my body. I'm letting you know you don't have any right to remain in my body. Now, the other thing that it's not is this. And this is what most people do. They call what is as it is. How are you feeling? Sicker than a dog. Sicker than a dog. Sicker than a big dog. In Texas, we call them big dogs. In Missouri, they're little dogs. Sicker than a dog. Not me. Becky. Do you remember the last time that I said I was sick? I just won't say it. Not coming out of my mouth. 
I'm not saying I'm sick. I didn't say I don't have symptoms. I'm not saying I may not feel a certain way, but I will not say I'm sick. Because God gave me the permission in his word to call things that that be not in the moment. If I don't feel that way, if I have a diagnosis of something that even could take me out literally, physically, most people don't know they have the right to command things to be and to change. And, And the reason that so many people don't know they can do this is because so many people are afraid to teach this. How are we going to know how to do this if we don't practically take the Word and actually do what the Word says? I'm not saying anything right now that is my opinion. Because in teaching something like this, not today, but there was a, there was a time when I, I, it'd be easier to just water it down. Ah, don't go that don't go that extreme and don't do it exactly like that. I mean, you know, it, 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 they'll all get it. No, 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 we won't. We won't get it if we don't put it out there like that. God said He sent His Word and healed us past tense. By His stripes we were healed past tense. Two thousand years ago, when Jesus died on the cross when he breathed the last breath, when he went to hell, when he rose on the third day, when he, after 40 days of being on the earth, he ascended to the right hand of the Father, he sat down, and what did he say? It's a done deal. Finished. What? Everything. It's all finished. God, Jesus, Jesus has not got, gotten up off the chair since. Now, you know what I'm saying. I mean, that's where he's at. He didn't have to come back to the earth. Every time something bad happens or we get a bad diagnosis about something or something horrible or whatever is out there, he didn't have to come back to the earth. He's already done it. Now he wants us to believe that the authority that he walked in, he walked in that authority on the earth as a man. He was all God. He was all man. And he walked on the earth in that authority so that the works that he did, we would do, and even greater works. Because now he's at the right hand of the Father. He represents us. And so everything that he has spoken to us, it's true. And we're becoming convinced that what he's promised, he's able to do it. Because I'll just tell you right now, the devil will work overtime to convince you that God can't do it. That's where the whole battle is. That's why if I'm not, I mean, and and I I just give you this. Just as an example, I think a lot of you do it anyway, but my, my day-to-day repetition of the Word, I, I, don't, I, I couldn't live without it. The repetition every day of the things that I declare and that I say out of my mouth over myself and that I pray over other people and I speak over other people, I mean, that, that daily repetition is what keeps my mind believing that everything that God has promised, he's able to do that. When we were in Arizona and we had all those, all those little Indian children, I'm saying, you know, they're from the Indian reservation and they're all, they're all, they're all of the Indian heritage. And they were all around here and there's a, there's a lot of gang violence because this is a massive, this is a really big reservation. And there's like seven districts, and so there's different types of, 
of Indian tribes on, on this, this massive reservation because of these sections. So they have gang violence and wars and things against each other. And, you know, it's been, it's been pretty difficult what the pastor that, Pastor Will is what his name was, that is, is over that, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, but, yeah, but what, what is it that they're doing? Outreach. <laughs> That's a deep word. <laughs> outreach. Uh, the, the outreach that they have there. Uh, and and uh, what was I saying? All the little children. Yeah, okay. And it's difficult. And uh, it's difficult because... They have no understanding, and that's why, that's why they're bringing the Word of God to them. But you have to bring it to them in a way that they can receive it, you know? And the opportunity that we had to, I can still hear the words that I spoke over those kids. I can hear them, you know? I mean, they speak words. I mean, it's not just, just the fact that I spoke those words over them, but I spoke words I believe. I spoke things that I believe. See, when, when we believe this, and, and you, then you speak that now every day, every day along with all the other people that I pray for, now I'm praying for that pastor and all those kids in that Indian reservation. See, that, that's why we go to the nations. Now, first and foremost, whether we do anything else with that group of people there, we pray for them. I mean, my prayers are there. I can see those little kids' faces. But my emotions aren't going to get wrapped up in that and draw me to do something that God doesn't want me to do. So first and foremost, I pray that anything else we do, it'll evolve. Right. You see, that, that way we stay in power in what we're doing. Listen, more than doing things in the natural, prayer is what changes things. Right. I'm telling you, if America, if this country will, and I really believe that this country is beginning to pray today like never before, but if we will pray in faith for things, things will change. Things will change. I promise you. Governments will change. All the right people get in office. I'm not talking about Democrat or Republican. I'm talking about who needs to be in office to lead a nation because when truth is in the forefront, then the people rejoice. When righteousness prevails, then, then all kinds of things begin to happen that in the natural wouldn't happen normally. Not just complaining, not just talking bad about people. Not just, I, mean, I mean, you know, Republicans and Democrats, I mean, it's like, it's like those gang wars. I can't, I can't even watch the news much because I can't stand to listen to everybody bickering and fighting about every, every stupid thing that's going on. And it's just ridiculous, all the stuff and the bickering and the hatred and, and all the stuff, the venom that's coming out of both sides, both sides. I mean, stand up for what you believe. Do all those kind of things, but let's control what we say and what we do, Who we, how we come against people that were created in the image of God. I mean, you know, my flesh wants to kick somebody in the head like anybody else. Somebody does something that's so stupid, and you think, you know, how how'd you come up with that? Why are you doing that? You, you, you want to be angry and frustrated and mad at people and, and those kind of things. But, hey, at the end of the day, we've got to love people. We've got to walk that way because the Bible tells us to. The Word tells us to. Can you say amen?
Number two, dang, I've only got five minutes. Spent too much time on number one. What has God said to us about lack and abundance? What has God said about lack and abundance? And I, and I, and th- this is this seems like an interesting verse about lack and abundance, but I believe it's the key, and it's found in James three and verse two. And I'm going to read it out of that uh, amplified. James three two. For we all stumble and fall and offend in many things. And if anyone does not offend in speech, never says the wrong things. He is a fully developed character and a perfect man able to control his whole body and to curb his entire nature. In other words, he's able to control everything else in life. There's a lot of reasons why people are in lack. But when you learn to control what you say, you begin to get your life in line to where you control how you spend, you control you know, the decisions that you make, uh, and, and, and you're not out of control in areas that you need to be in control in. I, I'm declaring to you today, abundance is from God. Seed time and harvest time is from God. Abundance comes from people that believe they're tithers and seed sowers, and when you get active and involved in the economy of God, those things begin to happen. But you don't control what you say. You can go through the motions of that, but what will happen is you're sabotaging the harvest and what God wants to get to you because you choose to put your mouth on people that were created in the image of God. That's what God says. That's what God has to say about lack and abundance. Yes, he wants us to prosper, but not at the expense of us being out of control in the things that we say, because if you're out of control in what you say, then you're out of control in other things that you do. And I tell you what, if you've got lots of money and you don't know how to control your life, that money is a magnifier And what it'll do is it'll magnify all the crap that you get involved in in your life. And God doesn't want that. God doesn't want us doing things with our money. He wants us advancing his kingdom. Yeah, he wants us to enjoy life. Yeah, he wants us to have good things and nice things and and all that. God wants us to enjoy life, but not at the expense of being out of control in the things that we say. That's the key. And number three... What has God said about past, present, and future? What does God say about past, present, and future? I don't have a lot of time on this, so I'll just say this. I'll just give you these three. God says about the past, old things are passed away, and everything is brand new. When? Right now. You can hear a word like this right here, any word. You hear a word in it, and it challenges you on something. And if you choose to receive and embrace something that is said, like what I just said about the words of your mouth, if you'll embrace that and do something with it, that could change your life for the rest of your life. Old things are passed away, and everything is brand new. 
You, you, I could say something like that. I've sat in a service and somebody made a comment, you know, similar to that or whatever the comment would be. And, and as I'm sitting and listening to that comment, God challenged me about something. I made a decision to change it right then and my life was changed forever. From one word, just something that was said. That's why the word of God is so powerful. The Webster's Dictionary can't do that for you. The Bible can. Webster's Dictionary can give you definitions. But the Bible produces life. And when you saturate your soul, your mind, will, and emotions with the Word of God and not all the other information on planet Earth. Listen, information's good. We live in an information highway. But if that information is going contrary to the Word of God and you're in turmoil about that, there's times when I've had to lay information down, not listen, not read stuff, and spend time in the Word of God to get my thinking right so that when I embrace other information, I don't let it contaminate the way I think. Because listen, your thinking is where your decision-making is. And you're going to make wrong decisions with wrong thinking. And I don't want to make decisions that are not pleasing to God. In my relationship with God, man, I, I tell you, I've made some decisions that were not pleasing to God. And I don't, I don't want to have to come back to him, crawl up in his lap, and him, you know, work on me and deal with me about what I'm not changing in what I, what, what, what I chose to do, the decision I chose to make because I didn't want to shut my flesh up and shut my flesh down and shut my mind down and renew my mind. I didn't want to take the time to do that. Well, God, you know, I had good intentions. Well, good intentions won't produce a lot. They don't produce a lot. I mean, at least it's a start having a good intention, but it's not enough. I know. I know. I've had a lot of good intentions that I didn't follow through. You know one of the things I say over myself every day? <clears throat> I finish everything that I start and that I say I'm going to do, I finish it. Or I don't say it. And I've learned that the hard way. I've made promises in my life that I didn't keep. Years ago I made promises and said things that I didn't keep. And God's told me, if you're going to say something, then you make sure you follow through with it. Amen? So I say that over myself every day. Why? To remind myself that I'm a doer of the word. I keep my word. I'm not one that just throws things out there and not staying with it. How many believe that? In the present, <clears throat> God said, he's the same yesterday, today, today and forever. The future, he said, he's the same yesterday, today, and down there. And everything that he said he would do in his word for us yesterday, he'll do it today, and he'll do it forever. And he said that, and if he said that, and along with that, in the same breath, he said, I'll never leave you, nor forsake you to the ends of the earth, ever. Man, if he'll never leave me, never forsake me, no matter what I do, no matter mistakes that I've made, then if I've got God's word on the fact that today, if I've messed up and I can make a decision today to make a change in my life, old things are passed away and everything is brand new, and the God that was there yesterday will be here today and he'll be there tomorrow and next year and, and, and 10 years from now and on and on and on for the rest of my life because I'm in this thing with him. I'm connected with him. How about you? Amen? We're, we're with him. 
and we're going to live day to day, not miserable and defeated, but being people that because we're connected to God, because we're controlling things that we say, because we're learning to live in what God says is so, and believing that what He's promised He's able to produce, because of that, we'll live on top and not underneath. Amen? Blessed coming in, going out, everything that we set our hand to prospers. Why? Because God told us to do it. God said do it, so it's prospering. That's the life we've got to live. That's the life that is there for us. Amen? We don't want to live short of that in any way, shape, or form.